You're listening to the Free Oromia podcast, dedicated to amplifying the voices of freedom. Thanks for tuning in to the Free Oromia podcast. Visit our website at freeoromia.org. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Team Free Oromia and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Team Free Oromia. You can also give us a call on the Free Oromia podcast hotline at 430-755-0727 and leave us a voicemail asking us questions or giving us your feedback. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Free Oromia podcast, a podcast dedicated to amplifying the voices of freedom, decolonization and independence. I am one of your co-hosts, Jal Ango, and I'm joined by my usual co-host, Jal Maro. Hello. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hello, everybody. Um, if you are a new listener, Welcome. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you'll stay. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. We're always happy to have you um, and happy to keep you as well. So um, today we have a a very special um, episode lined up for you. Uh, This is episode number 43. So Some of you may guess just from that uh, what the episode might be about. Uh, 43, 430. Um, Well, what we're trying to do really is uh, manufacture a little coincidence like we had uh, with episode 39, which was about um, a referendum um, and article 39 (laughs) uh, in the Ethiopian constitution um, is about um, the right to hold a referendum. Um, to uh, secede from from Ethiopia. So today we're doing episode forty three slash four three o about Aba O Wobo. Um, so this is going to be an episode about uh, you guessed it, the Oromo Liberation Army. Um, and uh, we had the immense pleasure. Uh, of being able to interview a former combatant in the Oromo Liberation Army. So, um, who you'll be hearing from um, in our episode today um, is Jal Baro Kerno Deresa. He is a medical doctor who specializes in gastroenterology and hepatology and a freedom fighter who was an officer in the Oromo Liberation Front and later became a combatant in the Oromo Liberation Army. His time in service spanned the end of the Derg regime and the political transition in the early 90s until he left Ethiopia in 1997. He's currently living in Belgium Uh, in the capital city of Brussels, where he's working um, at the University Hospital of Brussels. Yeah, I think you guys will really enjoy this interview. I wasn't there when it was conducted, so I got to listen um, to the full interview with fresh ears. Dr. Barrow shared so many fascinating stories about his time in combat. It honestly felt like an exclusive tell-all experience. He talked about 
so many things like neutralizing threats in Finfinne. He talked about his experience um, as, you know, part of a small brigade fighting with limited resources to defeat large mechanized enemy troops and so much more. We kind of got to follow almost like his story of Kabso from when he was, you know, a student to throughout his um, experience in combat. So, yeah, I think uh, I think you'll all have a lot to take away from it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a bit of a roller coaster of a story, uh, just as just as Kapso itself is. Um, so we're excited for you to hear about this incredible journey. And Jal Maro and I will be back at the end to give some of our thoughts and reflections on the interview. So with no further ado, here is Jal Baro. Catch you on the other side. Hello and welcome to the Free Oromia podcast, Dr. Baro. Um, it's a pleasure to have you with us and we're honored to have this opportunity to speak with someone who has been a part of the Oromo Liberation Army. Um, so thank you for being here with us today. Thank you, Angatu, for inviting me to this program. It's our pleasure. Um, and actually, we'd like to start by thanking you for your bravery and your sacrifice. Um, without men and women like you who have been willing to defend the Oromo nation against the violent colonial oppression of the Ethiopian state, we wouldn't be where we are today. So first and foremost, thank you to you um, and to all those like you. Thank you. Thank you. Angato. So um, if... I could start by asking you to tell us a little bit about your youth. Um, where were you raised and how was it to grow up there? Um, yes, my name is uh, Baruch Anoderesa. I was born in Nejo, Wellega, Oromia. I have completed my uh, primary and high school education in Nejo. Um, during my youth time, I was uh, a difficult young man and a troublemaker. Uh, I liked to <laughs> fight. Okay. Uh, during that period, I was uh, elected even as a chairman of youth association in my city, in my town. Mm -hmm. um, I remember one time uh, I made, uh, I wrote um, a poet. Mm -hmm. This poet I get from, uh, normally we get every month a Polish journal. Uh, the poet was written in Amharic and I translate to in Afan Oromo. And the poet was uh, in Amharic, Yesamein Amora Yiblau Reisayin, Yemisrak Amora Yiblau Reisayin, Lamayet Halisha Magreta Defraya In English, when we translate, let be eaten my dead body by eagle in the north, in the east, but I have decided not to watch the humiliation of my country. That is the literally meaning of that poet, which I have got from the Polish journal. And I have changed that one from country to my people. I have changed it, I say, let it be eaten, my dead body, by eagle in north and by eagle in east. But I have decided not to watch the humiliation of my people. Mm 
mm-hmm. and they catch me, they punish me. What did you mean to write this one? What is your people? Where mm-hmm. did you get this poem? But exactly as a young man, I am not aware enough to the global issue at that moment. Mm-hmm. And they punish me. But that punishment make me more active and more aware to know who they are and that they are our enemy. That is also today what is going on. Mm-hmm. Any punishment brings thousand heroes. They punish me at that moment, but they activate me, more activate me, and educate me to be aware who they are and who we were. And um, so I was punished, and my parents came to police and uh, discussed with cadre, Derg cadre, and uh, they released me with warning, but I decided, as I have told you, I am a troublemaker. I was really a fighter. I like to fight. That was shortly my uh, childhood of uh, youth time period. Mm. Okay. Wow, that's that's so interesting how you were punished simply for translating a poem uh, from Amharic to, to Afan Oromo and the immense threats apparently that the security forces um, felt um, simply because you asserted my people. Um, that's incredible that you took that as uh, a moment to empower yourself rather than to feel broken by what they did. Um, that's incredible. So um, I'm sure that's one of the reasons um, that inspired you to join Wobble. But more broadly, um, what were your reasons for choosing to join uh, Wobble, Warana um, Bilisuma Oromo, or the Oromo Liberation Army? That is also, I be it's a good question. I was grown up by hearing and observing the Oromo people struggle at home. Mm-hmm. To give you some example, most of the local Oromos came together in my family home. We had a hotel called Karamara Hotel mm-hmm. in Nejo town. Um, and they are talking about politics. Always I am listening as a child, as a young man. Mm-hmm. Um, that is always they are discussing about the secret plan, about what's going on what the movement was at that moment was a very intense movement. I was uh, really around that time, maybe eight, nine years old. I don't know. Um, I am listening all this issue. And second, uh, when the certain member of uh, this secret group of Oromos who came together at my family home, uh, some were murdered, assassinated, some were tortured, jailed, harassed. I have watching all this. Mm-hmm. And when I ask my family what happened to them, why they were tortured, they say, keep quiet, you are just looking at trouble. They, they, because I was a troublemaker, like I told you, as a child also. Mm-hmm. Just keep quiet, don't... Uh, bother you just keep quiet you are a child they told me always but i am i am listening what is going on there as a third example which i am going to give you is i was raised up when sagalebli summa oromo voice of oromo liberation was listened underground in a secret place 
And yeah. we are watching the police, the cadres, the militias, the local militias don't come there. I am, I was grown up in such situation. And the fourth one, uh, the fourth reason was I am always watching the suffering, the murdering, assassinating, and dominating of these cadres, these militias, harassing. At the end, when I was 17 years old, I was officially approached by uh, OLF officials. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the history. And But the motivation behind, as I told you before, when I was punished by Derg Cadres, because I wrote, I translate a poet from country to my people, and I present that at the school. They punished me, uh, but that activated me. And second, I was grown up at home watching all these issues, and that gave me um, uh, all information, all in case why these people are fighting. Later on, when I gradually grow up, I was uh, approached when I was 17 years old, approached by OLF officials. So it was um, the experiences of uh, of life around you then that motivated you. Um, so you were 17, you say, when you were um, approached by um, Automobile Liberation Front officials. So um, what was the process of your recruitment to um, the Automobile Liberation Army? How was the experience of your recruitment to the Automobile Liberation Army? That was um, a long journey before I have fully entered the Oromo Liberation Army. I have done many activities. Uh, mm-hmm. One of those tasks was passing information, gathering information to them. They, they uh, oriented me and they gave me tasks to pass them information where I get uh, vocally. Mm-hmm. I pass them the information post without opening to somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, just I don't know who is who, but I have to just give the post mm-hmm. and then go back. Um, they trust me because of the family and everything. Uh, transferring person through safe pass, for example, we were uh, living uh, in Kabale 2. And there is far behind us, there is a high school with a forest. Mm-hmm. Through this forest, there is a very sacred path, which I have to cross the very important people, mm-hmm. um, studying enemy activity and capacity. Uh, at the end, gradually, I start to uh, talk with some officials of Derg. Militias who were Woromo, we were my family, also part of my family. And we, I am grown up gradually before I am entering officially to Ola. I have mm-hmm. done many activities. Mm-hmm. At the end, I was trained uh, for military and other activities and prepared to enter Addis Ababa in 1991. When the Derg government fall down and uh, the transition government were formed, mm-hmm. um, so uh, at that moment, at the end, I was prepared and trained 
to enter Addis Ababa with our military forces uh, in 1991. Mm -hmm. That was the process. Maybe if you like, I can tell you also what happened during that transition. Yes, please tell us. We're very, very interested to know what happened. Yes, we uh, first uh, during uh, 1991 when we enter uh, with our uh, special uh, Oromo Liberation Commandos under the leadership of uh, Comrade Kamal Kalpesa is living now in uh, Sweden. Mm -hmm. We arrive at. Um, at Gulele uh, residence house, uh, where now the current office of uh, Oromo Liberation Front. Uh, mm -hmm. At that period, when we came to Addis Ababa and entered the Gulele uh, residence, the TPLF soldiers were there. Mm -hmm. We uh, lived together uh, until arrangement and later on the TPLF forces left the Gulele post and residence we control all area mm -hmm. and then we have organized to do our jobs uh, the toughest one was uh, one there is uh, information passing information knowledge the truth the mm -hmm. core of the freedom struggle, that is the one side. And the other side was um, challenging the enemy forces, the enemy infiltration, the enemy propaganda. Uh, and the third one was counteraction. Counteraction was very difficult. It was daily problem with our uh, special forces, with our uh, special trainees, under many difficulties, uh, very limited resources, and with a very committed uh, individuals, we have reached and uh, achieved many, many activities, many goals. Namely, um, we have organized and galvanized our population. We uh, taught them about the truth. We have passed our information to the population. Mm -hmm. And we have galvanized them. We have told them why we are dying, why we are fighting, why mm -hmm. we are suffering. That one, one part. And second part, as I told you, is... Um, Challenging the enemy propaganda, challenging the enemy infiltrate was very tough because the enemy has money, the enemy has power, the enemy has everything. Mm -hmm. We have a very limited power, we have a limited resource, we have um, a limited personnel, we don't have money to pay a personnel, only committed and determined people who are doing these difficult jobs at that moment. Mm -hmm. And that makes us challenge that create many traitors, many betrayal. And uh, one of these betrayal is uh, we had a normal military base. We had a special commando base. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And on this special commando, they have another route, another action, another uh, information, another instruction. One of them were uh, collaborated with enemy and inserted to kill 17 OLF leaders. And he brought the bomb inside the compound to implant through the night around the leaders, OLF leaders' home. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have organized this group. Everybody in each sector, we have a control. Uh, one who watching them, everybody is watching everybody. Mm-hmm. And so we have um, able to avoid also those distraction and humiliation. That is the second challenge which we have, uh, challenging the enemy infiltration and enemy propaganda. The third one was counteraction. Counteraction, when our, when our cadres, when our leaders, when our people are moving outside Finfinne, out, out of the office, the TPLF soldiers of the TPLF militias, they caught and they imprison our peoples. And then we have to do something counteraction, and that brought many friction between Malles and uh, our uh, former leader Lynch Olata. That was many challenges which were there in 1991. After that, uh, at the end, the friction gets at the higher boiling point uh, and uh, forced us to leave uh, the transition government. That was the uh, really the toughest moment in 1991 in Addis Ababa, to tell you just roughly according to our time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow, so um, a lot of complex issues to, to contend with then. Um, and uh, it sounds like um, it was a very challenging time and, and uh, what was achieved was achieved against um, counter forces. Um, But despite individuals who could be coerced into uh, betrayal um, and derailing the great efforts that are being put in, um, I imagine that the camaraderie that you had between uh, the majority of you um, was a much stronger and a much more compelling force. Um, So could you tell us a little bit about the camaraderie um, in the um, Ottoman Liberation Army and uh, what was your relationship with your fellow Jabs? Oh, that is a very interesting uh, question, Angatu. We as a freedom fighters and Wobo member, our love for each other were borderless, pure. We were more tight and closer than brother and sister. Mm-hmm. Really, our love is stronger. Practically to say that when we get, for example, after a long period of starvation, when we get some certain food, and we were too much, we are going to select who did the most, who is weak among us, who has a diabetes, who has a really very weak, and we are passing to this one, to this comrade. And in place of him, we don't get any food, we don't get any drunk, and we are really caring each other. 
we are loving each other. We, our love is borderless, a pure and a truth. Mm-hmm. Also, when some certain member of our comrades get injured, we are carrying them until the safe place is reached. Sometimes there is no medication. Sometimes there is no any painkiller. But our love and our care and our attitude, our empathy, sympathy for each other is more than medication. It heals you. It fills you with love, fills you with energy, fills you with motivation. And the other one is uh, we will correct our weaknesses and the fault through fair and open discussion. There is no hatred. There is no any uh, misunderstanding. And then the base of our discussion is always as a family discussion for strengthen our parent home, Oromia, we call it that. Mm-hmm. So let us bring any fault, any uh, minor issues, and uh, discuss it freely and fairly, and uh, bring us our love, make us our love stronger and tight and forever. That mm-hmm. is a constructive goal approach. That is what I am telling you about our comrades. Mm. That sounds like a an incredible bond um, and a lifelong connection between uh, between you and your comrades. And yeah, I can imagine that that will inspire a lifetime of um, of resistance um, against oppression. Um, so, could you tell us about your most triumphant moment in combat? Um, as an Oromo Liberation Army member? Yeah, uh, the first one, after we left uh, the transition government in 1991, mm-hmm. I went back to Bush to fight and to join back our comrades mm-hmm. in Boji around Mendi, uh, Nejo, Nejo, where I was born in uh, direction to Gimbi, around Boji. And uh, Mr. Daud Ipsa, the current chairman of OLF, was there also. Mm-hmm. Uh, and other comrades were there. During that period, but the enemy forces were surrounded us from three sides. On the right side from the Dembidolo side, around Gambella. Mm-hmm. On the left side from Nejo and the middle one from Gulliso. We were just between them with a very limited uh, ammunition and with a limited uh, human power. But uh, at that moment, we have decided to fight and break these enemy forces. And uh, the former leader of the special commandos of OLF is now living, like, as I told you, is living in Sweden now, here in Europe. Uh, Comrade Kamal Kalbesa leads that war. Mm-hmm. And we have successfully dismantled the enemy central on the Gulliso, and uh, our forces were entered Gulliso and controlled, and we forced them to retreat. 
that was uh, really a very uh, encouraging and a good moment when we successfully defeated the enemy forces at that moment. And that brings also how Oromos are heroes, how they are dared to do it with a very minimum forces to do the maximum uh, victory. The second one, which I am telling you about, is I went to Arsibale, and um, it was a very difficult time. The, in Arsibale is really a desert area. Uh, it is very difficult to find water. I went there after uh, walking around three or four days. I joined my comrades there in Arsibale. Uh, and at that moment, the highest OLF leader was Mr. Uh, Gutama Hawas. was mm-hmm. there, I met, I have discussed with him. Uh, also, uh, Mr. Dugasa Bakako was also on the east side. He is also the highest OLF officials. Mm-hmm. Now, to tell you what the uh, victory was, in Southern Oromia RC Bali, um, we have a very big mechanized enemy uh, forces. But we were a very uh, small group, around 10 to 15. But they were around 100, fully mechanized with weapons, bombs, everything. Mm-hmm. Now, when you are fighting with the small forces, you have to know two things. One, you have to avoid any injury, any sacrifice from your group. And second one, you have to bring maximal, maximal casualty to the enemy. Mm-hmm. So uh, to dismantle them, we guide them until the strategic point. It's desert, they are looking the water. We, were, we get them, we defeat them badly. We were only very few, but we did a very good victory. Mm-hmm. And um, only we suffered with one casualty. That, that is very difficult for us because we, we don't have medication. We don't have place to hold in. We are moving always. Sometimes to put in um, some places, it is difficult because those people were pastoralists, not the people who are living in the same place. They are moving from one side to another side. We don't want to lose our colleague, our comrade. So that was a very difficult, but that was the happiest moment which we defeated enemy. Uh, as a medical doctor, I am not love to kill people, but I love to defend. I am ready to defend and die my people's rights. Mm-hmm. That is a God-given right. Yes. yes. So that were um, really the toughest moments. Wow. Well, it sounds like the greatest triumphs that you experienced um, as a uh, Wobo fighter uh, were all due to, um, you know, incredible strategy and uh, being very, very cunning and knowing exactly how to um, wield the the sort of sparse resources that you had access to to. Um, to achieve, you know, the maximum outcome that you could. And that's very inspiring and um, uh, motivating to hear, certainly. So, of course, um, 
in battle there are triumphs and then there are also losses and you know we all know that the Oromokapso has been um, a roller coaster throughout the years um, so what would you say um, is the most difficult moment that you have experienced in combat? Yeah, there is always a difficult moment. Life is difficult. You don't get enough sleep. You don't get enough food. You don't get enough drink. You don't get really restless always because you have to watch your enemy and you have to dismantle your enemy. You have to win this battle. But there is, uh, let me tell you something. Um, uh, the battle, like as I told you, around after leaving the transition government in 1991, when I joined my commerce in Gullisho area in West Wallaga, mm. uh, after winning and dismantling the enemy, um, and then the fighting is going on, going on. And um, but the enemy gets stronger because we are losing comrades, we are losing fighters, we are losing any material support, resources, and the people get sick, the people get wounded, and mm. our people get suffered. And then at the end, we decided to cross the river on the direction to Sudan. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that moment was. Most of us is unable to swim, only certain people to swim, and the enemy is pushing us, just coming to us, but we are trying to fight and to save our uh, leaders and also to save our comrades. Mm-hmm. At that moment, the certain colleagues, comrades, went to uh, fix the rope on one side and another side that we have to carry our uh, guns and we have to pass by getting tied to this rope. Mm-hmm. And the difficult moment was the enemy is just only reaching us while we are crossing. And while during that fight, the one is crossing, the one is fighting for you. And while the other crossed one is pre- again fighting for the others, that was uh, really a very terrible, but uh, chancefully, nobody get wounded, nobody gets uh, killed, mm-hmm. and uh, we were crossed. Really, it's a very big river. It's a very difficult moment, and that was the first one which I experienced in West Wallaga, and the second one was in my life when I uh, break out from Didesa prison camp. When I went back to uh, West Wallaga, I went to a city to arrange something. As I, I, as I told you, I am trained for special cases also. Mm-hmm. I went to the city to arrange, but nobody knows because the area uh, is controlled by local militias, but they don't know who I were. They caught me in the city, and because my um, approach, the reason around, I don't know, uh, they caught me and they brought me to Desa. The Desa prison camp is a very big one where the thousands of Oromo uh, former soldiers were imprisoned, Oromo honest people, uh, normal civilians were 
imprisoned. Mm -hmm. And during that time, there were some Oromo commandos or soldiers under my supervision. Who knows who I was? Mm -hmm. There are certain people who loves me and who really die for me uh, as I die for them. But there are some people, traitors always, who are dealing with enemy. And those traitors pass the information that they know this guy is a leader, he is there, and they pass the information to the uh, TPLF officials of EPRDF officials at that moment. Mm-hmm. But there are the people who loved me there during that period, and they come to told me, Baro, you are already mentioned, and they are going to kill you and assassinate you and torture you. Be ready to do what you like, they told me. Okay. Mm-hmm. I told them to uh, some colleagues there, look, everybody is going to die. But I prefer to die a hero days, I told them. I prefer to die a gallant and fighting days. I am not die by torturing and imprisoning and just signing for the enemy. I have to die while I am fight. I am prepared to break this prison. Mm-hmm. And um, I convinced one of my colleagues, I say, do you like to take a risk with me? We are going to break this evening out now because through the evening they brought you to the toilet on the field and they are watching you. I convinced him, he said, yes, okay. And I went to the toilet there mm-hmm. and I say, okay, go there now. If these soldiers come to you, kill or die, that is it now. And then we... Um, Cross it, the, the, there is a, a very hardware there. Just we grave it the ground and we smoothly passed out. And I went, I escaped there. It was a very tough time. It is a very decisive moment. That is it. The second, the third one, which I'm going to tell you is in Southern Oromia, in Arsi Bale. Mm. Uh, the EPRD forces uh, declare a total war against Southern Front Wobo. And uh, this war was mechanized through ground and air, uh, assisted by the Air Force. And after a weak fight, a very intense fight, um, many of our comrades were passed away, including six doctors there, which I remember them. Mm-hmm. And uh, including our uh, hero, gallant Mr. Uh, Gutama Hawas, the highest leader of OLF, were mm-hmm. passed away. We really fought very, very, very good, but we lost because they are too much, they are surrounded with air. And, uh... But the survivors were severed with absence of water, absence of food, injured. Uh, we were weak. Our tongue became big and swollen. Mm. We don't have food we came with. But one thing is really true. We say we are never going to surrender. We are never going to surrender. We have to die as our friends, as our comrades. 
That is the fight. That is the days. We decided. I took the leadership, and uh, many of our, my colleagues were just collapsed, and uh, we drank urine. Uh, drank a urine. Then it's no urine. Somebody we ask you, Angato, do you have urine? No. Uh, Baro, do you have urine? No. Somebody, if you just to to make it our tongue a little swallow, we had a soil. We were we collapsed. But one thing at the end, I collect all my colleagues. I say we are not going to surrender. We will die. We have to fight until this. And at the end, I collect some my colleagues and our blessed Oromo people, the RC Oromo. Through the night, I went to look around the local people just to beg a little water. Mm -hmm. And they say they know me there. They say, oh, oh, don't come. They are around here. They hide me somewhere. I show them my colleagues. They mm -hmm. gave us the food which they don't have. They take from their children and they give, which I am proud of my people. If even I have a million lives, I am ready to give for my people. They give us, they hide us, they show, they care of us. And that was the point. At the end, I have decided to bring a water for my colleague because they were collapsed. There is a river down there. We were here. The enemy surrounded the water, mm. and but I don't have a way to penetrate this because they are circling the water there. Mm. Then I left a stone from up to down there to the enemy. The enemy say, "Oh, the enemy come!" And they search me. I'm just keep quiet there under the ground, hiding myself. They search. They look around. I leave again the stone from up. At the end, they said, oh, this is a gorilla. And they left me. I went there to take a water. Look, after one week absence of water, I drank the water. I fall down in the water. Just I was lost my conscious in that water. I lost my conscious. After a while, I, I slept. If the water was too big or the river was too big, maybe I was just drawn with that one. Thankfully, I recuperate, I get better, and I took water. I went back to my colleagues mm -hmm. to protect uh, that they are going to be unconscious like me. First, I put water in their head and calm them, and we will survive. That was the three points which I never forget in my life. That was a very tough moment. Wow. 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 These are absolutely unbelievable stories and it's so hard to fathom that people have lived through these kinds of trials and tribulations for the purpose of protecting us for the purpose of defending the Oromo nation and you know it sounds like in all of these circumstances all of these most difficult moments that you have faced um the one thing that um made you capable of uh pushing through is just um, an unwavering determination, um, a rock-solid sense of conviction that, uh, that allowed you and your comrades to actually cope with these kinds of 
unbelievably uh, difficult circumstances and it's it's, re it's really mind blowing to hear uh, that you've been through these these kinds of uh, struggles absolutely so um in light of uh, all of these um incredible things that uh you've told us about your your experiences um in the Ottoman Liberation Army uh what would you say um is the thing that you love the most about wobble this one to summarize with certain things one determination Mm. Second, persistent. Third, honesty. Fourth, love. Fifth, care. Empathy, sympathy. That is what I can say about Wobo when I am talking about Wobo. We are not uh, went to bush to kill some people. We are not demanding to fight but we were forced to this issue and this corner so in order to abolish this colonial uh, system we have to be determined we have to be dedicated we have to be constant and we have to be persistent and we have to be empathic and sympathetic for each other and for all human beings also because we have to be care the truth we have to talk about the truth we have to defend the truth that is mm -hmm. the right of our people mm -hmm. that is the god-given right and we have to support each other that is what i say care mm -hmm. we have to live love each other without loving each other, without caring each other, you can't continue, you can't continue your persistency, you can't continue your determination. Mm -hmm. You have to be honest person, you have to be a lovely person, you have to be an empathic and you have to sympathetic, but you have to, when it comes to the truth, you have to be ready to die, whatever it comes, and you have to be ready to defend. That is what about Wobo. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what message do you have to those who support Wobo um, and also those who don't support Wobo? What message do you have to each of those groups? For supporters, what I can say is you are doing the good job. You are doing a fantastic job. And defending the God-given right and defending your human right, defending your truth is the right thing in this world. Mm -hmm. Not as a nation, but as an individual. When somebody is treated unlawfully, it gives you pain because we are human. Mm -hmm. So, for the Wobo supporters, Wobo is defending this God-given right, this human right, truth. So, thank you, I am going to say, and continue for the supporters. Mm -hmm. For the people who are not supporting the Wobo, what I have to say is, God creates us all equal, mm -hmm. loves us equal. Nobody has 
right to enslave anybody. And nobody has right to oppress other nation, whether his religion, his ethnicity, whatever it is. Everybody has right to speak their language, to speak their mind, to express their view freely, openly. So, Wobo is fighting to dismantle this colonial system and to defend this full rights and fail to support this while your doctors, engineers, lawyers are sleeping in the mud and defending the human rights, defending your rights. Fail to understand this and fail to support Wobo, I think it is something, a disease of a criminality. So, my brothers and sisters, think twice. Think maybe triple to defend and to support Wobo and to raise your voice for Wobo, to open your portemonnaie for Wobo, to be open your mind for Wobo and wake up. That is for non-supporters my message. Mm. Well, those are incredibly powerful messages um, to to both of those groups. Um, so thank you for sharing those. And uh, to to conclude uh, this um, incredible conversation that we've had, um, you know, of course, Oromia is uh, in very dire circumstances right now, um, and there's there's death and destruction taking place all over our lands. Um, but Wobo continues to be a light of hope um, and a uh, beacon of, uh, of opportunity for the future of our nation. So what makes you hopeful about the future of Oromia? Many things makes me hopeful many things to tell you that let me start with some quote um, one times when I were in um, Southern Wobo member the, an old man told us one history the history is as follows the animals all animals come together and need to elect their leaders and then they say, everybody say, who will be our leader? We need a leader of animals. Mm -hmm. They say, okay, lion. They, they elect lion. And then they call lion, you are from now our leader. Lion come and asks, are everybody is accept my leadership? They say, yes, yes, we accept the leadership. Okay. If you accept my leadership, I am going to assign the man under my leadership, the man who are leading you because I am occupying to all nations, all animal nations. So I, I am going to assign, they say, did you agree that? He say, yes, we agree. Okay, assign for us. He say, donkey, donkey is your second leader. Everybody say, how can be the, there is a tiger, there is an elephant, 
there is a bear. Why is the donkey? Um, the lion told them, look, I know you are angry. Everybody is upset at me. I elect the donkey because the donkey accept what I have said. The donkey never complain. But if I am going to assign the tiger of elephant, they make me crazy, restless. Now, my point when I like to come is, what makes me hopeful is, we don't have to be worried for the donkeys who are listening to the imperial and colonial system of Ethiopia. We don't have to be worried because they are donkeys. They are obeying the enemy plan, the enemy issues. They are never talk about their people issues. Mm-hmm. We don't have to be worried. We are the heroes. We say, no, as I was a child, I was a fighter, a troublemaker. I say from childhood, I say, no, why is this? There are the millions of Oromo, millions of Wobo Abaos are fighting for this one. We say, no, we are human beings. We are 60 million people. There are five European nations equal to Oromia. They have individualized government, namely Belgium, Holland, Sweden, Austria, Denmark. If you associate all together, they are equal to Oromia. Mm. But they have their own government. Today, the colonial system calling us, you are a regional. No, we are not a region. We are a nation with language, with history, with a culture. So one thing what we have, what gives me hope is, we have today a millions of heroes on the line to die to defend this nation. We don't have to be worried about the donkeys who are listening and obeying the enemy plan. That is number one. The second one which gives me hope and courage is we are fighting my nation, our nation. Oromo is fighting around 150 years since colonization. Mm-hmm. We have been never rest. But since 50 years, we are organized fighters under oil of leadership. Mm-hmm. Now, we came a long journey. During this long journey, we built a villa, we built an apartment, we built a city on nothing. We are already galvanized our people. We educate our language, our culture, our tradition, our history. Knows every Oromos today. We build a concrete base. During when I was a fighter, there are many Oromos who doesn't know they were Oromo. They are against us. They were against us. There are only limited people who are knowing they are Oromo. They have a proud culture, a proud history, a good, a rich country. Today, there are millions of Oromos. Oromos are wake up from west, east, north, south, central. There is a moving nation. 
the moving nation is coming to the world. We are coming. Mm-hmm. That gives me a great hope. Only now, penetrate and open the door and get on this roof and dismantle the colonial system. And with our heroes, Wobos, our leaders above us, we will finish it, this colonial system. I have a great hope. I have a great hope, a hope that cannot diminish anymore. We will win. And that is my hope and my message. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what, a, what a fantastic sentiment to, to finish on. Um, I particularly loved when you said um, this moving nation is coming to the world. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's an extremely powerful uh, thought and an extremely powerful message. And um, I absolutely believe that that will become our reality uh, sooner rather than later. So thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Varo, for, for taking your time and uh, for sharing your um unbelievable experiences with us and you know for telling us about uh, your journey um, from childhood to joining uh, the OLF to participating in the early 90s transition to moving into combat um, in the bush um, and to now uh, motivating and galvanizing other more people um, in the diaspora and beyond. Um, so thank you for all of your effort, for all of your contributions, and like I say, for all of your sacrifices. And uh, we will um, continue to carry the struggle forward together. So thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Baro. Thank you very much for having me. Bye. So, everyone, that was Jal Baro Kerno Deresa from the Oromo Liberation Army. Jal Maro, what are your uh, thoughts on what we just had the pleasure of hearing? Yeah, so it was a lot to process, I think. Um, so, one of the things that really stood out to me is how, well, kind of two things that kind of contradict each other, but also I think you guys will get what I mean. I feel like it really underscored how history repeats itself, but yet at the same time, how far we've come. Mm. Um, you know, because it's a little bit painful hearing Jal Dr. Barrow describe uh, you know, his experience through two different regimes. And then now we're, our people are facing a completely different regime Mm. and it's kind of the same thing. But at the same time, I think he described at one point, I forgot exactly how he put it, but he was talking about how the, I guess the concrete foundation has been placed. And so the, the, you know, the previous generations have, created that foundation for us. And I think because of that, um, the Oromo struggle is able to able to go further, has more, um, yeah, just has more solid footing, I feel like, which mm, mm. is hopeful, but it's also mm. just, it's just hard to 
you know, to hear everything that he and so many others went through, so many that sacrificed their lives, so many like Dr. Barrow that were willing to sacrifice their lives and ready to do so. Mm. Um, and, you know, it must be really painful, I think, for them also to, you know, to feel like you come close and then have these these major setbacks. But mm. um, that's that's one, I guess, major theme that stood out to me throughout the interview. Mm. Yeah, that sort of cyclical nature of the capsule really stood out to me too. But with each cycle, we've shifted forward in our starting points and gradually stacked the building blocks towards um, our liberation. And it's really inspiring and galvanizing to hear him, um, despite having seen these patterns repeat themselves, still believe so unshakingly um, in the prospect of of our liberation um, and in fact believe in it more than ever um, that's that's so um, empowering to hear a witness from somebody uh, who's been in the depths of the struggle the way that he has um, if uh, Jal Baro still believes it then there's no excuse for anybody else not to but um what else um do you feel stood out to you in the interview um what other thoughts came to mind as you were listening so you know when dr barrow was talking about camaraderie and just how the love that they as you know soldiers had for each other was more than medicine, as he put it. Um, I feel like it was just a really great example of the power of having a shared vision, of having a shared experience, and also of having a shared hardship. And, hmm. you know, it's it's such a unique bond because at that time, nobody in the world can understand, except for each other, what they're experiencing. Um, it also was a little bit similar to how, you know, his punishments as a student, like when he was punished for translating a poem into a fanoromo that was perceived as a little bit too political. Mm. Being punished for that opened his eyes more and made him more passionate. And so, you know, it's, I think, obviously, the enemy or you know the oppressor has these tactics that they try to use to defeat try to defeat morale Mm. um ultimately what they don't have is that shared vision they don't have that genuine quest for something greater and so i think it just shows how in the Oromo struggle, what keeps people going and what keeps their passion and their hope for something, you know, for what they're working towards, because why else would you be starving and thirsty and, you know, injured with no medication, if not Mm. 
because you you know that there is something that you're fighting for like there's a cause that you're fighting for mm-hmm. and i think that's something that you know the oppressor will never have because mm. they're not fighting for a true cause they're fighting you know against mm. also as uh jal dr barrow was describing his experiences of triumph you know it was really it was such an underdog story and in some ways i feel like that is kind of like a classic guerrilla warfare type of dynamic Mm. Um, but looking back on the severe limitations that he was describing, having minimal troops, minimal human power, um, minimal supplies, sometimes, you know, no medication. It's incredible because Wubble has come so far and, you know, hearing him express his pride about seeing how many, you know, more freedom fighters there are now. Um, I would really love to hear more about his reflections on the current status of Wubbo, you know, at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be really interesting to hear, you know, what those who those who were in combat at a very different time of Wubbo's life, what they mm-hmm. think about, you know, what's going on now. Mm-hmm. Um but it sounds like he's very proud. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So proud and so full of admiration and faith. It's just beautiful. You know, the last thing that really stood out to me from the interview was when Dr. Barrow was talking about, uh, towards the end of the interview, he was talking about one of the times when him and his comrades were, you know, thirsty and starving. And, you know, they found some civilians who fed them food that they didn't have. Um, They, you know, gave them the food that was for their, their children. Mm. Um, And it really made me think of something that we've talked about on the podcast before the fish in the sea concept. And, um, you know, we've talked about how you know, the regime wants to drain the sea to kill the fish, meaning the Mm. sea being the people, the fish being the freedom fighters. Mm. Um, And I think this is just such a clear example that the freedom fighters cannot be separated from the Oromo people because the Oromo people know that the freedom fighters are fighting on their behalf. You know, they're Mm. part of them. Mm. And so, yeah, I thought that was... Um, very relatable to a lot of the things that we're seeing right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so listeners, uh, we hope you've uh, enjoyed this episode. Uh, We hope you've taken away as much uh, inspiration and refreshed determination uh, from this interview with uh, Jal Dr. Baro as much as we have. Yes. And um, because I didn't have the chance to say to him, Jal Dr. Baro, thank you so much for your time, um, for your service and for everything that you've done. And um, I hope that we all have the opportunity to see Bilisuma in our lifetimes. Heart out. <laughs> well, we uh, look forward to 
having you back with us again next time. Yes. So until then, take care. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye bye. Oh, hey, just before you go, we have a song that we would like to share with you on this episode because the message of the song is uh, very fitting with the topic of our episode today. So please enjoy this amazing song called Rebi Loli by Amin Hussain. All right, now it's bye for real. Till next time.
kumangara so chona kopan mobadu mabeki akiyama kunumba suga bayi na wareki de kandu se sitakeke si ne wazi tasdemo osoguya sanagese silagu wambi anjeko osoguya sanagese aragu wambi anjeko Amin abdatu kasamne tinadatu kerobi afgachana kerohayun abdatu kagoni timbonu enkerojachuna kana uyara kuskafana hayu idatirivne mafchalivna jarana esalpanne barana esalpanne barana farda ibu ola ano lambe piadanda bahiganda wene wene gachana farda ibu ola ano lambe piadanda bahiganda reba adina yolo lamale ibu nole egav galte zete galte vlole male wene wene gachana farda ibu Oh, 